Welcome to the Craft of Shadows podcast, based on the novel The Jewel of Nineveh by Dewish Basiti. Discover new content and subscribe to receive updates at craftofshadows.com. Now, on with the show. Chapter 12 Unarmed and Dangerous I can't stay trapped in here like a rat. Manu snarled around his bared teeth, his hands and tightly clenched fists. The walls pressed closer by the minute, and he could feel the weight of all the rocks that lay above his head, all the way up to the streets, and fresh open air and open sky. You can't go out there. Simak will have you gutted, and then he will sell your corpse to the Sultan. You've a better plan? I could stay here for days if I had to, or I could slip out in the dead hours before dawn. Here is one for you, apprentice. Do you know why they call them the dead hours? I always thought it was because it is as quiet as the dead then. Isn't that right? The dead hours, sometime after midnight and well before dawn, are when the body is at its weakest, your deepest slumber, the slowest heart rate. That is the time the elderly slip away from us. It is also the best time for us to work. If you are stealing then, you are less likely to be heard or disturbed. If you are there to suffocate someone or to blow poison in their nose, they fight less hard and are more susceptible to the drugs. Uh, you, you blow poison up people's noses? Manu laughed. I don't think we'll ever make an assassin out of you. Jum screwed up his face and frowned at Manu. I don't see what's so funny. Not wanting to kill people is a good thing. Manu grinned at his apprentice. If you manage to keep up that moral attitude when you get old, well, you're a better man than me. My first kills were because I had to, and they sickened and haunted me. But eventually, I stopped seeing their faces when I slept. And in the end, I stopped caring. Does it make me a murderer? Probably. But I'm like a predator now killing because that is how it lives. I've forgotten the man I might have been, only this remains. Then just go out there and kill everyone if you are so easy about it. A few too many even for me. I have no weapons and I'm greatly outnumbered. Manu spread his empty palms to his apprentice. I must use cunning and a fair share of luck. Besides, there are many out there who have the potential to be allies, and only a few that I know for sure want me dead. What are you going to do? Wait for the dead hour, just like you said, then make a break for it, and run as fast as I can. Jum snorted. That is a really amazing plan. I'm so glad I have such an accomplished master to learn from. He crossed his arms and turned his head away from Manu.
I could use a small distraction. It would give me the chance to escape. Manu reached out and placed a hand on Jum's shoulder, but his apprentice shrugged it off. Hey, ease up. You take things too seriously. Jum's head rocked back and he let out a long sigh. What are you going to do if you have to fight? You don't need knives or swords to fight, kid. Manu wrapped the side of his head with a knuckle. I've got the most dangerous weapon in the world right here, my mind. He grinned again. That and years of training from some of the most devious, bloodthirsty miscreants the world has ever known. Do you think you can face down a man with a blade and nothing in your own hand? I've done it more than once, kid. Aye, and more than one at a time. Jum puffed at Manu. You're such a braggart. All I've seen you do so far is to tell wild tales about how amazing you are. But of course, that never happens if anyone is actually watching. When people are watching, you're just running from the Sultan's guards or struggling in the arms of Steemak's goons. Guess you'll get to see me work in a few hours then. You mean I get to watch, watch how fast you can run? Jum's breathing had grown slower and slower, and finally he was pausing full seconds between drawing breath. Manu judged the hour to be correct for the escape. He gave the kid a few nudges in the ribs, but received mumbled protestations in reply, and Jum rolled onto his side. Manu shook him by the shoulder. Wake up, kid. Welcome back from the land of the dead. Jum struggled over to lean on one shoulder and rub sleep from his lashes with the back of his hand. Is it time? Time to get out there. Think you can do something useful? Jum nodded, then with a yawn crawled out of the hole. Manu inched after his apprentice, feeling the sickness rising again as his shoulder scraped each side of the tunnel as he squeezed his way through. Jum's face was limed against the lights in the wall brackets as he crouched with the edge of the stage just above him. The velvet drapes had been burnt and hung in black tatters, and the wooden frame of the stage was charred but intact. Jum crept out from under the stage and along the edge of the wall. Two thieves were seated by the door, serving their bout of guard duty and talking quietly over a small table with a lamp on it. Several people lay about, sleeping on bedrolls. Jum picked up a table lamp and, shielding the flame with his hand, crept out of Manu's sight. When he returned, he leaned in so he was only an inch from Manu's ear. You want a distraction? I think this will qualify. A high-pitched scream rang across the room and the heads of the chatting guards spun around. Flames were leaping up from the corner of a woman's mattress, who was beating it with her blanket, but that only served to fan the flames higher. 
the blanket burst into flame and she shrieked again, throwing it away, only for it to land across the bed of another thief who had just started to wake up and was squinting around as he adjusted to the light. He threw the flaming blankets off him and rolled away to his feet, yelling indignities at the female thief. More people got up and were trying to beat down the flames with their blankets, but the dried straw inside their rolls burned too readily and the fire quickly spread to the ragged tapestries hanging from the walls. A cry of warning and the flaming tapestries slipped from the wall, a sheet of flame descending over the cluster of thieves. People fell back, coughing as the smoke began to fill the room. One woman bolted for the door. The younger of the guards was fumbling with the keys to unlock it with trembling fingers. The older man had his back to the door and was scanning the scene, looking for the source of the trouble and drawing his sword an inch. The door finally opened and the woman fled out. Manu gave his apprentice a quick squeeze on the shoulder and rolled out from under the stage then onto his feet and charged towards the door. He hooked a hand under the backrest of a chair and hurled it towards the guards. The young guard took the full force of the chair in his back and fell forward with a cry. Manu charged into the older man, blocking the hand that tried to pull his sword free. Manu's knee came up sharply and the older man doubled over, hoarsely gasping. Manu crunched his elbow down into the back of the older man's head and the rest of the unconscious body sprawled on the floor. The younger guard picked himself off the ground and reached for his sword. Manu jumped towards him, a high kick to the throat delivered at the moment he landed. The younger guard clutched his neck, then collapsed as a low crescent kick swept his feet away. Manu leapt over the choking body and through the open doorway. Manu sprinted down the tunnels and could hear shouts and racing footsteps behind him. There wasn't time to look. He had to just keep moving. A figure ahead, reaching out for him in the dark, he hurtled straight into the broad chest. Manu snapped his head down in a headbutt. There was a cracking of bone and a muffled cry of pain. The powerful restraining arms loosed. Manu twisted away and started running again. Upstairs and into a narrow alley, the gravy night sky had a touch of colour. Manu could he hear footsteps as fast as his heartbeat pounding up the stairs behind him. He jumped against the wall then pushed off hand in the other direction and stretched for the edge of the roof opposite. He just made a fingertip grip on this cold stone. Manu muscled himself up and was just rolling over the edge when the footsteps pounded out into the alley below. Where did he go? We were only seconds behind him. Look up there, he's on the roof. How the devil did he get up there without a rope? Never mind that. After him. Panting, his mouth dry, 
Manu got to his feet and looked around the sea of rooftops. The horizon was turning from black into blue, and the pale light spreading over the rooftops cast into high contrast the deep, dark lines of the patchwork streets and alleys. His pursuers were clambering onto the roof and struggling to their feet. Manu started sprinting across the roof. His foot hit the edge and he jumped, sailing across the street below, over the heads of more people spilling out of the sewer entrance. He landed and rolled instinctively, absorbing the impact, then up onto his feet again, arms pumping, preserving the forward momentum. A thud behind him. Someone made the jump. A desperate cry, trailing off, followed by a crash. Someone didn't make it. The edge of the roof. Jump. He flew through the air, legs failing, and collided with the wall opposite, the impact forcing the air from his lungs, barely getting an arm over the edge of the roof. His cheeks were flecked with tears as he hauled himself up and over. A knife clattered past, missing his shoulder by an inch. The man on the roof behind had drawn up short in his pursuit, not daring to make the leap. He called hoarsely down to the street below. His hand pointed to Manu's position, and loud angry whispers and running footsteps drew nearer. Gasping for breath, Manu rolled to his feet and took off along the edge of the roof, then dropped down to an adjacent building. Quick steps, a leap up to another, burning arms pulling him up, feet scrabbling for purchase on lime-washed walls. The crack and thrill of a crossbow came from the street below, and an iron-tipped bolt embedded itself in the wall as he pulled his legs clear breaking line of sight with the edge of the roof. He peeked over the edge. Men were running across the rooftops opposite, and there were more in the street. Manu permitted himself a groan, then gritted his teeth and rolled over and onto his feet. The condensation of the night was starting to evaporate, and a faint haze was forming over the buildings. The sun was rising and Manu knew the Thieves' Guild would not, not brazenly pursue him in the full light of day. He glanced back. Another crossbow was being aimed at him. He twisted away and started sprinting, the bolt whistling through his trailing cloak. As any city came slowly awake, the earliest activity would first stir in the market even before the main gates had opened. He headed there, lungs burning with the exertion. He jumped over another alley, landing with a skid as he changed direction on seeing hands grip the edge of the roof and a head appearing. Another black turban man jumped onto the building, facing Manu with his sword already in his hand. He grinned with his lips curled back, exposing stained teeth. Then he lashed his blade, 
through the air twice before beckoning Manu forward. Manu nodded and charged at him. The man raised his sword for a slash, but Manu threw himself down and skidded to the ground, his feet connecting with the man's ankle and sending him sprawling. Manu rolled to one knee and slammed a one-knuckle punch into the man's thigh. The black-turbaned man screamed out, his eyes bulging out from the pain of the pressure point strike. Manu turned and started to run again. The man struggled to stand, but his limp leg wavered and he fell awkwardly. Ahead, through the last wisps of mist, poles were beginning to be pulled aloft by ropes and pinned to the ground, and the trilling song of the priestess of Shamash began the morning prayers. Manu saw where the rooftops parted and the first tents of the market were being set up. One more street, a mighty leap, the heart-stopping flight, then an untidy landing, foot slipping and twisting on the surface, gritty with damp desert sand as he tried to roll. He got up, a twisted grimace of pain as he put his weight on his foot. He looked behind and saw there were still two men coming across the roofs after him. Manu screwed up his courage and ran forward, half hopping on the twisted ankle. He leapt down onto a striped awning. It flexed with his weight, then tore away at one corner and he crashed to the ground, splintering a barrel under his impact. Manu gasped at the white flash of pain. Breathing short and sharp, he sat up, rubbing the back of his skull and flicking away splinters of wood. Two sharp points jabbed into his chest. He risked a peek and followed the tips of the spears back along their shafts and up to the leering of two armoured city guards. He's the one the Grand Vizier wanted. Get some chains on him. Manu was pinioned to the ground, a spear point already scratching through his flesh, as manacles and leg irons were locked onto him by the blue liveried guard. A heavy slave collar with chain leashes completed his humiliation, and he hung his head. Early morning traders whispered to each other and pointed at him as the guards tugged on his restraints and he tumbled after them. From the shadows of an alley, the thieves watched the guards drag Manu limping away. He'll get what he deserves. If not from us, then from them. Simak won't be pleased. Then Simak can go get him. He may be in charge now, but I'm not risking a tussle with the blue boys for him. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Craft of Shadows podcast. More details at craftofshadows.com. Copyright 2020, Divush Pasiti and Victor Publishing. Title music by Turku, Nomads of the Silk Road, at turkumusic.com.